terrible. That's terrible news, Jordan. Wow. This is terrible. Did Welcome to Late that? Night Happy Hour. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Welcome to Lisa. So last time, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, joined by uh, one of our favorites, one of your favorites, uh, just as importantly, on Beanie Night. Um, Jordan Rodriguez covers the Rams and the NFL for the Athletic. Um, last last time we found out that uh, birds, tragically, that birds, all birds, hate you. Um, and they attack you at will. Um, you can't, really can't go anywhere um, in the out of doors, which is hard because you cover football. Um, now we learned that you're lactose intolerant, but you also love ice cream. I do, yeah. So I'm lucky because like Ben and Jerry's has gotten aboard the, the dairy-free movement here. But I don't think it's the same. I mean, I wouldn't know at this point, but I, I just have this feeling that it's not the same. Do you, so. How, like, so like, how lactose intolerant are we talking here? Um, I'm not really sure. I haven't tested it in a while, Brian, but I <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but you understand what I'm getting. Like Andy, for example, like dairy isn't good with you, right? You no, dairy dairy, no, dairy's fine with me. Okay. Are you dairy, asking? Well, I mean, since Brian already put me out there, I'll just, <laughs> I, dairy is fine for me. I cannot have con like a high concentration of egg yolks. That's my uh, issue. That's what I was thinking of. Like I can't eat. I I have to eat egg whites. Like for for a long time, my wife thought that I was doing this like as a health thing, and you know, like basically lording over her just how clean I was eating. And I'm like, no, I can't. I would eat the yolks gladly. I love how they taste. Frankly, I'm I'm gonna be in the bathroom for a week if I <laughs> if I do this. And then finally, one of her coworkers revealed to her that she had the exact same thing, and that's when she finally believed me. I, I like, got it. it yeah, I mean, like if if this woman and she also worked at this place for like six years before she ended up with this coworker, so she went like six years not believing me until just a co random coworker confirmed. She's like, oh, okay, I guess I guess it really is a thing. Yeah, I have a thing with uh, egg yolks as well. Um, I love eggs, so I, that's one that I will sacrifice for because I love eggs. Okay. So much. Um, I do have to go on like a very long walk probably afterward or have some like ginger soda or something. Um, but <laughs> but um, I, I really <laughs> I love and this is Rich Hammond, my editor and good friend. Um, he says that you shouldn't have uh, runny eggs on a burger. And I disagree. I think oh, no, it's, it's wonderful. Wonderful combination. Yeah. But that I'll, I'll do. And, and, you know, I was on like a burrito quest for a while where I'm looking, I know LA, you know, for my memories of living, don't laugh at that. Don't no, you I was just saying, it was, it's, I actually, in the eighties, <laughs> I used to go to the arcade and play burrito quest. And it was one of my favorite games. We're just going to move right past that one. <laughs> so I was looking around because LA obviously is very famous for its breakfast burritos. And I was sort of looking around during this mini bye week at one point I asked um, somebody on Twitter uh, I'm you know if there if anyone has any recommendations for eggless burritos like breakfast burritos and somebody responded and he he was like he's like important like he's a guy who writes about food and he's important and he was like well I don't want to be rude about this. this I'm paraphrasing he's like I don't want to be rude about this and say you shouldn't be getting a breakfast burrito with no eggs but here are some options, and I was like, "I'm, I'm dying on the inside right now." Everyone knows this now, so. There was, well, I mean, there's so many things in breakfast burritos that, yeah. you know, a, a well prepared breakfast burrito that 
have lactose in them. I mean, oof, that is I know. Risk it. I'll risk it for that because they're it's just everything you could want inside one tortilla. So it's good. Yeah. I only, brought, I only brought this up because I had too much ice cream before the show. And I, I don't do like, I'm not lactose intolerant, but if I overdo it, you know, but not like you. I mean, I can. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. You know. <laughs> but I am allergic to peanuts. Okay. Didn't. But, yeah. That is true. That is true. So, I mean, we, we all have our cross to bear, Jordan. That's right. So, you know. How about this? We'll meet. Once this pandemic is over, we'll pick a hospital. We'll go and you get yourself like a little, like a tub of Ben and Jerry's, like the real stuff. I'll get a Snickers. We'll sit in the ER and we'll eat. And if anything goes wrong, we're good to go. We're like uh, right there. I mean, Andy will just drink egg yolks. Not to bring the room down, but we really got to wait a while till these hospitals are free. That's because true. Now no, is not now. The time. now is no. not the time. It's not to be wasting their time. It's not a good use of hospital space. space or nurses no. or anything. Don't do that now. You're right. Good point. So I mean, we we, we this is we'll slate this in for about 2022, Jordan. <laughs> These are the topics that get discussed on Beanie Night. This is yes. This yeah. is how we start Beanie Night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we're just going off the grid today. Today's <laughs> going to be a little. Today's going to be a little bit unusual. Uh, yeah, we're all in beanies today. When we entered the room, uh, I was wearing mine, and Jordan uh, shared that she had been planning to wear wear one. And I said, "Go put it on." And then Brian said, "Should we? You know, should I put one on too?" He said, "Yeah, let's just all do Beanie Night." I like it. It. I, I like it too. Telling you that I don't believe in turning the heat on in the winter, and so um, I'm cold currently, but it's my own doing. <laughs> so, so I was like, I needed to put a beanie on. Is so this your subtle way of asking Rich to pay you more? Hammond, <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, where are those checks, man? <laughs> no, and um, you know, I, I figured like. You know, I, I'm in Southern California. I don't need to turn the heat on. I'm lucky I don't live somewhere where it regularly snows and I could try to be, you know, maybe a little more sustainable and a little more eco-conscious and, uh, you know, get like a seltzer machine instead of cans of seltzer and all these different things. Recycle. Oh, you get, you get like, a, like one of those uh, soda streams? Yeah. Yeah. Those are so, awesome. I like to watch them. I just like... Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like it's a lava lamp or something? Well, I mean, we all have if it's we're in the pandemic. We all have our <laughs> <laughs> but all I do is work to bring you guys the Los Angeles Rams content and bird content that you need <laughs> and watch my soda stream make magic. That's all yeah. I do. You know, we had a soda stream for about a week and we ended up returning it. We must have just gotten bad luck because everybody I know, including now Snoop Dogg, swears by their soda stream. Ours was awful. It, like no carbonation at all. It was terrible. This content brought to you by Soda Stream. <laughs> oh, no, no. Let me tell you something. If they want to sponsor this show, the problem was me. I hooked it up wrong. Absolutely. Like, I Actually, the, the reality is you may have, like Andy can put literally anything together <laughs> improperly. Like there is nothing that Andy can't assemble wrong. 100% true. That's good to know as I start continuing to accumulate furniture because you will not be on the call list. No. (laughs) And it doesn't look like you've got anything new since last time. I'm just sitting in the same spot. (laughs) 
Right, but is there anything new? It's only been like a month. I wouldn't expect you to get a lot. You're working. Table. It's only been a month. <laughs> well, and it's also it's a pandemic. Like I mean, typically for furniture shopping, you like to go in the place. Like th this isn't the time to just be spending, you know, an hour or so just in one shop. Like usually anywhere you go, you just try to get whatever you need and leave. Like it's it's not a great time to be in depth furniture shopping. This was a big risk that I took on my couch, actually, because I know I talked to you guys probably more than you needed to hear about like the act of getting a couch, which is a very exciting day for me, a very big day for me. But I I bought it online. So there's like that panic, right? When you're like, uh oh, I'm gonna be basically spending the next year on this thing. <laughs> so because like you know, think how much of a pain in the ass it is to return something to Amazon. Like nobody it's like, oh right. I don't want to go back to like that's not and that's not a couch. <laughs> right. Repack the couch. Oh, that's a good question. Tucker is not wearing a beanie, um, but he is curled up in a very small and, and adorable ball right now next to me. So <laughs> oh, I'm looking to see if we still have Tucker on, on our uh, pick. I don't so, know if we did. It, did we delete Tucker? I <gasps> think we did delete Tucker on accident. Oh, that breaks I feel my terrible now. I thought still, here's Tucker. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> that's his beanie. Sure, that, that could be his beanie. Has Tucker ever had to wear the cone of shame? Tucker did wear the cone of shame once when he was younger. We were living in Pennsylvania and he had, he's a rescue. So he had um, separation anxiety pretty bad. Oh. And so at one point he, I left my sock drawer open like a crack. And what he used to do was get up and pull socks out of my sock drawer and put them in a pile and then like sleep on them. And it was the cutest and most heartbreaking thing ever because they smelled like me whether or not that's commentary about how strongly my feet smell or feet not. Smell. <laughs> right. But he would go in and he would, yeah. he would make little piles and, and he would sleep on them when I was gone. And I'd try oh. and it was really sad. Well, it's <laughs> amazing I, actually. Well, he, he's really smart and weird and I love him, but he, so he, one time, this is the not so smart part. He, there were no socks, but I had a bottle of Aleve, the pain medication and um, there were like two left in there and I didn't remember that I had it in my sock drawer and I had all my socks out in the laundry. Well, the only thing in the drawer that smelled like me at that point was the bottle. And so he chewed through it and oh. like ate the entire oh. bottle. Oh. Only There was only a couple in there. So I was like, oh my God, but of course I'm freaking out. So I rush him to the vet and they're like, well, he's probably fine, but you could also pay us to get a stomach pumped and all this stuff and like, we, so we had to get our dog. We had to get our dog stomach pumped. Um, we we had just gotten back from uh, Brian, Brian and his family, us and my parents. We went to Legoland, and we had just gotten back from Legoland, and we had stopped somewhere and gotten my daughter a chocolate muffin, and she put it on the ground, and the dog ate the entire chocolate muffin, which oh could kill God. it. I mean, that that yeah. could. I mean, it's bad for dogs anyway, but this is a small dog on top of it. So I had to take it to the vet. They had to pump the dog's stomach. In, and the vet said, if you had not taken this dog in or hadn't noticed it, she'd have died. Yeah. Like, it's, so it's scary. And you just like your, your heart just stops and like, it's just the scariest thing. And so he was in the animal hospital overnight and I ended up like sleeping there. And when I wake up, um, they're taking me to, they're taking him to me and he's just like super out of it and like swaying He's got this giant cone on his head. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, that is the biggest effing cone I've ever seen. Yeah, and I do he, not like the cone of shame. Yeah, but they said they ran out of the medium-sized one. <laughs> 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 so it made it even worse because here this like, and he and he's like, you know, he's he's like forty-five pounds, but he's real lanky and like so he's got this tiny little head. <laughs> there, there, there's a video that that went viral, and I I don't I don't know who it is. I'd, I'd give the name, so I mean you'll have to look for it. But this woman's talking about how I think it was her boyfriend uh, cleaned out their refrigerator and accidentally threw out some edibles, and the dog got in the trash, ate the edibles, and she's holding this dog that is just. Yep. High <laughs> out of its this is actually this is actually the woman who told the story. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> That's the woman right there. Beverly Cleary out of this. Noted children's author Beverly Cleary. <laughs> Leave her out of this. But like the, the dog thankfully recovered because my wife showed me this video and she's laughing her ass off. And I was like, oh my God, like th this poor dog. Like I was worried the dog died and like overdosed and she's like no well, along when those lines, you know, like you know, like America's funniest home videos, like that whole like were, my wife and I we're once on a flight where I think it was like, we were like a big trip. We took to Greece or something. So we're on this flight and it's like this British version of America's funniest home videos just called oops. <laughs> so unlike America's funniest home videos, like where the person flies off the trampoline and like lands on the logs and this and that, but then they get up and they're like, I'm okay on oops. They, they cut off the video before you actually get any kind of resolution to whether or not the person lived. So oh it's just God. like, well, look, they fell off a motorcycle at 48 miles an hour. Oops. 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 Oh my God. That's you know, what, what happened? So that's, that's how they handled that show. Um, we have a game for you later in honor of the, uh, the Rams this week are they're pretty much going to clinch a playoff spot. They're playing the jets. They're not going to lose this game. They're not going to lose this game. Jordan, right? Right. I was telling Rich on our podcast, 11 personnel for your benefit, Andy. Um, I was telling, I was telling, oh, excuse Rich, me. All right. Excuse me. Yeah. Bring it up. Bring up the thing. Bring this up. Yeah. Look at this. Know. And you know who wrote that in? <laughs> me. I wrote that in. I wrote it in. I had to write personnel three times because I kept misspelling it, but I wrote it. Uh, I actually wrote this in. Two L's. That gets me sometimes. Yeah, well, the yeah. N's and the L's. And uh, it also, you should not be able to say cinnamon. I go back through after we're done and screenshot this and post it. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah I, I think I might have had two S's at one point, too. I'm an, I'm an awful <laughs> You had two P's, two E's, two R's, just two of everything. It was the Noah's Ark of, of but, words. But I got the 11 part right, Jordan. Look at that. It's it's in there, and I'm the one who did this. So Except you when we first did it, it was 1,111. Yeah. <laughs> We almost did. Uh, we almost changed it for just a week to twelve personnel because obviously they've been using more of that this last week and maybe doing so in the future. But um, we just were like, you know, it's still eleven personnel, is still the the core, and and we know that Andy has just now learned it. So we have to keep it. <laughs> you don't want to confuse him. <laughs> Can you say cinnamon, Andy? At this cinnamon. point, okay, good. I mean, I, I was younger. <laughs> I was much younger. I mean, you were like. You were old enough that I could remember that you couldn't say cinnamon. All right. Well, I mean, we are a radio broadcast professional now. I'm just, I'm not surprised. I was just curious. So they're not going to lose this game. No. And I was telling Rich too, like you, it is too catastrophic to even consider. 
them losing this game. Well, the Jets aren't going to allow it. Yeah, like, I, I can promise you the Rams are going to win this game. Like the Jets, yeah. the Jets will walk off the field before they get a W. Like right. they they're not going to allow this to happen. Right. I mean, they I mean, it's really been the most soap operatic season for them in terms of how many ways they can try to lose games including all right, Greg, sit Greg in a chair. Greg, got some news for you. Uh, we're going to need you to blow the last call of this game and then be the fall guy. Nobody's keeping their job anyway, but we really just, we really need you to go a little bit earlier, just in case this is our safety hatch. It's like, I mean, what, what more way? I mean, it's crazy. And so like the premise of this show, um, when we talked last time was that we were going to come and, and make fun of the jets. Um, and I mean, in some ways, I'm here for it, but in other ways, I almost feel bad just because, like, I don't feel bad for Adam Gase, who is a god-awful head coach, and I don't feel bad for for uh, Greg Williams, who I was never really a huge fan of anyway. Um, but, like, I feel bad for the players. Like, the players yeah. are trying. And yeah, just, and they have, some good, they have some good, like, young guys on there. I really, really like Quinn Williams. Um you know, he, I know his agent, Nicole Lynn, she is like one of the most incredible people on this planet. And the fact that he's so young and going through this and is so talented, I mean, it's it's tough. But I think, you know, they've got some good young pieces, but they've also got a situation where they're refusing from a coaching and executive standpoint. It seems like they're refusing to let those pieces come together cohesively because too much is at stake for it, including, uh, you know, Pantene Pro V, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, oh my Kim God. Hare. Is he that, is he this, is he this good? Is yeah. He, I think okay. he's, yeah. He's, he's really good. I watched him uh, a bit when I was still down in Charlotte and it's, I mean, he's just, he's got it. He's got it all. And he, he's really good in the, he'll be really good in the locker room too, because he gets along with everybody. He listens to everybody. He respects his teammates. Um, so when you have a situation where you're going into like, you're the guy who all of these guys who are still around because they're young suffered for, and you're coming in and you're walking in and you're just like doing a hair toss and being like, sup, okay, you know, I like, <laughs> I noticed this today when I, I was doing some reading on the Jets just because I knew you were coming on and we were going to be talking to do a hair toss. We were going to be talking about that team. Oh, Brian, oh, I'll tell you. Oh my back God. in the day. Oh, God. Oh. Doing a hair toss. It was amazing. There it it was on. I mean, there was, a, I, 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 there was a time when I could, but I just can't anymore. It's been, no, no, it's you been, couldn't do it. You couldn't do a hair toss. Like you could maybe move your hair around a little bit, but you couldn't do a toss. Like that's tossing hair right there. You were never capable of doing a toss. Yeah, gotta land with volume. Exactly. You know? Exactly. <laughs> like Shut Jordan, up, Jordan. You, after the show, you and I'll talk about this a little bit. Well, you know, I mean, just you know, just a guy and a gal sitting around talking hair tossing. But I, I noticed actually every photo of Trevor Lawrence not only shows off the hair, but he's got this like mile wide smile. Like, mm -hmm. like he looks like he's a Vidal Sassoon model or something. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, he's just a nice kid. Like, I don't really, I mean, it's, I feel bad for him, but also it's like, it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out. What I'm more interested in is like, like I said, it's like you have this entire group of young 
and some very talented players. And you're basically, you know what's happening. You're losing for this one person, right? So automatically everything's sort of stacked against Trevor Lawrence coming in, which I think is an interesting dynamic. And that's not to say, I mean, I think it's rightfully so that you would be upset if you're a player and you're like, man, this sucks. I hate losing. This feeling is terrible and it's for this one guy. And I understand the way the league works, but this still, this feeling in the moment still sucks. So, but I think that if you're going to get a kid coming in who can handle that and who can be, um, you know, good to his teammates and give them back what, you know, they have put in for him already, even without him being there. Um, I think that it could be, I think it could be really interesting to watch. Now you got to get the right coaching staff in there too. And, you know, Adam Gase was very, we, we talked to him this morning. He was our opposing coach conference call this morning. And he was very nice. And I think probably a little relieved to be like not being shouted at. Right. But, but at the same time, it was like, you know, you kind of felt like you're talking to like someone, you know, he's not going to be around. So why, you know, we're just going well, through. Well, I mean, if, if they want to draft, I mean, it, there is still the question of whether or not he's going to accept coming there. But if you want to draft Lawrence, you can't have Adam Gase there. Like that's right. not going to work. No, you have to bring in someone exciting so that the young quarterback doesn't sort of cause a fuss over going there in the first place. You want to make it a place where other free agents, because you're going to need to complement some of the holes you have with getting some free agents. Nobody's going to want to come play for Adam Gase. Um, you know, you you want to make sure that you are creating something that. Maybe it's not going to be good right away, but it has potential and it's people who are good to each other, you know, and, and that's something that really goes a long way. And, you know, I would I would probably hazard to say that people are very skeptical right now and, and have been for a couple of years of, of anything that happens over in that organization or any, any, you know, sort of any any sort of change that they make. And, and it won't that won't be different until there's new yeah, leadership yeah. in place. It's a, it's a dumpster fire. Uh, but you mentioned you mentioned all the young guys. <laughs> it is worth pointing out that it's a bunch of young guys and one incredibly old guy. <laughs> Frank Gore is amazing. I know. Like, I, I looked this up. Frank Gore played college football at Miami with Willis McGahee. Yes. You guys, were, you guys, were, you and Willis McGahee was out of the league. Last played NFL football, and by the way, had like a ten-year career. Do you know when he left the NFL? I'm I guess. You want to guess first? Willis McGahee, uh God, like what? It had to be earlier than 2010, right? I'm going to stay not that I was going to yeah, that was going to be my guess is 2012. 2013 was his last season. He played from 2000 and it's not like he had like a short career. He played from 2004 to 2013. So he had a long career. He's been out of the league for 7 years. He played college football with Frank Gore, who is still kind of good. Like he's not awful. You know what? We had this great moment again on the on the Adam Gase call. Um it was really funny because there's a reporter, Eric Williams, who you guys should have on. He's awesome. Um, he covers the Rams for SI, but he's covered a ton of pro sports all over the place. And he uh, mentioned to Adam, he was like, oh, yeah, actually, uh, he asked about Frank Gore. And he's like, oh, yeah, actually, I covered him, um, you know, back in uh, San Francisco. And I covered him, like, back back many years ago. And you can literally feel Adam Gase doing the mental math of like, how old is this guy? <laughs> Just ask me this question. 
it's crazy. But that's the Frank Gore effect. Like that's what happens. Like it just it you you literally are like okay. So if he's this age, then I and I'm this age, and he, you know, and you just it's it's insane. It's crazy. It's yeah. one thing if you do this and you're the quarterback, but he's not. Right, but it's and and like it's just he's he's ageless. He really is. It's he is the Andrew Whitworth of running backs. Because we've we've talked about before, like what, and not just because of the age thing. It's the what you're willing to put your body through at that age. Like, obviously, what what Tom Brady is doing, or like Drew Brees, like that's impressive. You know, to be playing quarterback in the NFL in your 40s, but you also know that you're playing a position that, while you can get hit, the league is going out of its way to make sure you don't get hit. And if, if you're yeah. Tom Brady in particular. Tom Brady doesn't get hit. Like it, I think it's a separate penalty. No, if you're getting hit this year is kind of the problem. It, right. It's part of the reason he's not playing as well. But like Frank Gore, Andrew Whitworth, those guys are putting their bodies through a meat grinder in their late 30s. It, it's insane. Yeah. The running back position is so violent. And I think people, when running backs play well, and you saw this with Cam Akers this last week, when running backs play well, you almost forget how hard they're being hit because they're making it look so effortless. They're finding the hole and they're just so explosive, right? And smooth. And and then you all of a sudden realize, and now I think better than in previous years, maybe because you can hear better because there's no crowd. So you can hear how physical and difficult it is to even get through one guy and then let alone have like, you know, 10 other guys come crashing in on you. Frank Gore Jr. is playing college football right now. <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he no. for, I think, yeah he plays for Southern Miss. He nice. scored a touchdown recently, I think. Yeah. He's like Ronnie. Isn't that phenomenal? It, that it's amazing. Yes. Um, speaking of, okay, Trevor Lawrence, worth all this for the Jets. Um, this came up in the chat uh, from LA Rams FC. Uh, Rich Chimini wrote a really good piece for uh, ESPN about Trevor Lawrence, would he pull an Eli Manning and basically force the Jets to trade the pick that would be for him and just play a game of chicken with the Jets and say, I am not going. Mm -hmm. How likely do you think – well, okay, I don't want to put you on the spot and try to you – know, how likely do you think that is? But if you were in his position, yeah. what, do you, what do you think you would do if well, you're Trevor Lawrence? If it were me, I i mean, I would do it because I don't <laughs> want to play for the Jets. But I think it's its like, well, there's precedent, first of all. And, and also there's precedent in which it turned out beneficial for the player. And right. we are also in a space of player more than before. I, I would argue more than, certainly more than when Eli Manning was coming out. Player emp empowerment and players with social media platforms who can speak on why they did what they did. And Players Tribune articles and the Athletic articles where players can talk about why they chose what they did and really help people understand what their position was. And so if he looks at that organization and he says to himself, oh my God, I might die here, then... I don't under, I, you know, I don't see why you wouldn't at least explore that possibility. But then also football in its systems and structures has so much of the um, gut through it sort of mentality and um, sort of these empty promises sometimes that front offices make to their star players that they are going to build around them and then they never really quite do it. 
And and so you can you can kind of be led along as a quarterback. And and so I would I would think that you know something. First of all, if you have good representation, I would think that all possibilities are considered, and you would be silly to not even explore it. You can tell people you're not thinking about it and you're not exploring it, but you would be silly to not even explore it. Now, if it were me, I would I would you know force the force the trade because I wouldn't want to go have to spend some of my you know pr- like key development years and look what happened to poor Sam Darnold and yes. like spending my key development years in a system that might chew me up and spit me out and yep. build all these negative habits and I can only really fix them in the off season with my own private coach and otherwise I'm at the mercy of whoever's in the building without even knowing yet who's in the building of course I would look into it you know I, I wouldn't want to go there what happens to to Darnold like is because he he was not like he had moments. Yeah, he had had moments as a pro, and it just you know it's impossible to look good in that offense and, and in this in this setup that he's in. Can I like can a guy like that be rehabilitated to the point where you go? Oh, you know what? He can be a you know a franchise quality quarterback, or is it kind of undone with? Or a just a quarterback who doesn't hurt you? Yeah, I think that it's possible. I do think it's possible. I think it would be tough if you have multiple years now at this point. Um, you need a really good quarterbacks coach and you need a quarterbacks coach who's also going to work with you in the offseason instead of funneling you off into a separate training facility where you guys, I mean, you you have to, You there are rules where you can't interact with your coach, but there has to be a liaison and the fundamentals have to be of the same plan instead of kind of going off it's, as we see some quarterbacks go off on their own plan. And I think it's possible, but you also need help to do it. You need to completely rebuild an offensive line. You need to um, have sort of layup options around that quarterback for when he's starting to feel spooky and just dump the ball off. You need to have layers in your offense where you can dink and dunk if you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can scheme as a coach. You can be pliable as a coach to scheme for the bad days that your quarterback is having. Now, all of those things together are super rare in one place. So while I think Sam Darnold could, you know, have a rehabilitation year, um, it's really tough if you don't get all of those things. And that takes a lot of self-awareness in, in a space, in a front office, and we don't often see that. So that would take a ton of, of self-awareness. And then, and then it's almost easier if you're front office to take a flyer on a, on a guy who could be um, like kind of a sexy headline, right? And like, okay, we're going to fix him. And then if you're a front office and it doesn't work out to save your own ass, what you can do is say, he can't be fixed. Sorry. We tried, right. you know, so it's a tough situation. Yeah, Sam I, Darnold is not a sexy headline. No, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying like, if, you, if you're like, no, well, you're right. I mean, but that makes a difference. Like, you know, you're not going to get excited. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. I don't know. I think it depends on where he's going. Because if, if you're a market that hasn't had a quarterback in a while or you're a smaller market or a team that's been down a little bit and you also know that Darnold was really, really good at USC, he was, what, I think third overall? So, I mean, he was top five overall. And you also know that it is very, very at least possible that the problem could have been the Jets more than him and that he does have some type of tools that could get, I think, certain fan bases excited. You know, yeah. I, I think I think it's actually possible. Yeah, I think there are not as many coaches and leader like 
autonomous leadership positions who will admit that the problem was someone other than the player or the quarterback. And you can admit it publicly, but do you do you rectify it internally? Do you do the about face and do you actually invest in in certain things? And I think it's you see it in, on good teams. You see these things happen and the coach puts the ego aside and invests wholeheartedly in the players. But sometimes it really just depends on the organization because you could have the perfect sort of regional fit for a guy and you could have a quarterback needy team. But if not everybody in the building is fully investing in that quarterback's rehabilitation, then it's probably not going to work because it just takes one or two things. If you're on such tenuous ground to sort of just knock back all of, all of the development, you know? Yeah. I just, it's just it sucks. I mean, like, I don't yeah. know if Josh Rosen was ever going to be a good quarterback. We'll never find out, you know, David Carr, yeah. is he ever, was David Carr ever going to be good? Don't know. Uh, we'll, but we'll never, we'll, you, you know, context. I think we talked a little bit about this last night. Context is such a big thing in sports. Yeah. And, you know, guys just get screwed if they end up in the wrong spot. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to what I was talking about. I'm, I'm really um, grateful to be covering sort of an age of growing what feels like, at least, and hopefully it continues growing player empowerment in that mm -hmm. regard, where players are making decisions for themselves and, you know, working to, um, negotiate, have negotiating power and some guys, you know, doing their own contracts and guys choosing what is the right fit for them personally, instead of, um, you know, and, and seeking out different system fits for themselves mm -hmm. instead of sort of just going, you know, accepting their fate where, where they are in a, How in a, in a, or in a league that's just going to, um, you know, other than outliers completely use them for the mean and then they're done. Because I was going to ask you, because Andy and I, you know, obviously spend more of our time in, in the NBA where it's front and center. It's James Harden forcing a trade. Giannis, you know, is he going to sign the extension or not? He can, you know, all of these things that, that the, the frontline players can do. How has that worked in football? Like, because it, it is, it's a, such a different setup. What is, you kind of alluded to some of it. What does player empowerment look like in the NFL? Well, I mean, unfortunately, collective bargaining, you know, there was this huge opportunity and then a pandemic hits and, you know, it, it, it's, it's, I think it's a lot of different things. It's kind of a hard question to answer because, um, you know, on the one hand, you're dealing with a salary cap, right? And you're dealing with um, various ownership groups that are controlling revenue streams and dealing with, um, you know, TV broadcast deals and trying to make their organization as profitable as possible. And then you have uh, a, another layer, which is your front office. And you have another layer, which is your coaches and your GMs and everything. And, and all of that's, you know, similar to basketball in the sort of structural sense. But then you also have, um, you know, a much smaller salary cap. You have different types of contract limits. You have, um, you know, different types of sort of your standard contract terms, you have a collective bargaining agreement that um, the players, um, you know, at, at times were pushing harder for certain things that would empower them a little bit more um, than they had been in the past. And so, you know, I think it's a, it's an evolving process. And, and for me, in, in small ways, you're starting to see, and, and, I, and I don't think it's small, like if you're talking about this from the player's perspective, right. I think it's huge. In terms of the like monolith of the NFL, it's probably small. Things like DeAndre Hopkins negotiating his own 
contract and and sort of um you know helping you know push this trade and and things like what we were just talking about players um you know not letting some you know the system of the draft dictate what their long-term future is going to be somewhere instead trying to negotiate their way out of it being aware of what's happening all around them in the in the front offices and the buildings um players in free agency um i think you're going to see a lot of similar things happening um, this spring in free agency where players take a ton of one-year deals because nobody knows how the cap is going to bounce back yet. And it's gonna be probably around 175 million um, in 2021. And so nobody knows how it's gonna bounce back in 2022. So if you're a player, you wanna negotiate your power into being somewhere for one year so that you're not locked into a lower deal to deal with the, the lower cap. Instead, you're gonna wait and sort of see how um, the 2022 and 2023 look before you start to sign these multi-year deals um, other places. So it's right. just little things that feel small, but they start to stack up a little bit. And then, you know, using your platform to speak on what's important to you and um, to be, you know, in the community for what things are important to you and to, and to push and to activate yourselves toward ownership to um, provide resources for things because players, you know, should not be, Paying their, you know, the lower tier players on a roster should not be paying with their own money for some of these things that they do. And, and it should be pushing toward ownership to make some of those sort of structural changes, too. All right. So, Jordan, it would not be a, a late night happy hour with you if we didn't at least discuss a little bit Jared Goff. I, I think it's a contractual obligation for the three of us when we get together. You guys um, Jared Goffin, to paraphrase the Simpson, the cause and the solution to all of life's problems. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, and I was looking up some uh, numbers with Goff, and, and one thing that I thought was really interesting is I took a look at his red zone stats, um, and inside the twenty, among inside the twenty among quarterbacks with as many temp attempts as him this season, fifty-one, only Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Ryan Tannehill barely have a better completion percentage mm -hmm. and only five quarterbacks, uh, Big Ben, Russell Wilson, Tannehill, Rivers and Rodgers have considerably more yards than him in that space, like 40 to 50 plus more yards. Right. But, but he only has 12 touchdowns from 20 and out. And like, there aren't that many quarterbacks uh, other than uh, Lamar Jackson and Matt Ryan, who have the same amount that I would consider noteworthy that are behind him. Then you get inside the 10 and it gets even worse. The completion yeah. percentage falls to 55%. And he's not the only quarterback whose percentage falls the closer you get in that red zone. But his drop is basically the most among any quarterbacks with the same attempts or more. This sounds 20. like the kind of number that I would pull out, Andy. I'm very surprised <laughs> that you're going with the, I, the worrisome yeah. Jared Goff Analytics. I just, I was real. I just started looking at some numbers of him, and I thought it was interesting because, and, and it's basically he's among the worst quarterbacks in the league who matter in, in the red zone as far as this statistic. But at the same time, the Rams are top ten in the league for red zone scoring, so there hasn't been this drastic effect. But you still see a gap with him. So I, I was curious what you're seeing specifically with Jared Goff in the red zone. Especially since Jordan, I did all this work researching. That's always a lot, and he wrote it down. And yeah, you, know. you were reading off of something. I saw. I that. was reading off something. I, I'm not no. going to paraphrase that. That's too <laughs> much just, information. I was just thinking. Quote. So I dug into some numbers. 
the Jared Goff experience. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much, that's pretty much Thank you. I mean, that's a, that's a lot. I think that's a lot of detailed research. Yeah. I think you did a great job. Um, you you know, I, I don't know that I could actually put my fingers specifically on it. And that's part of the problem. Andy, just because you did all that work, I'm going to give you one more of these. Thank you. (laughs) you. That's your reward. Look at that volume. That guy looked good looking up information. And give me one more of these. (laughs) You guys don't have Tucker anymore. Come on. I don't know what happened. I, I feel bad now. We're really making did. space. I we have been we on still have this guy. <laughs> and no Tucker. I know. That's I, not Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, when you said that, he just looked up like this. <laughs> hey, buddy. It, it's a it's a pretty damning indictment that we have uh, the tattooed ex kindergarten teacher, no Tucker. I mean, of you, not of not of my dog. Yeah. Yes, that, that was me before the surgery, before the, the laser removal. You know, I, I was like, you know what? In retrospect, a little much. You get drunk one night in spring break, and <laughs> this is what happens. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, but yeah. So back to the Jared Goff experience. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard to pinpoint it because yeah, they they are having some issues there, and you know, sometimes. I, they haven't, it doesn't seem to me like they've really settled on a cohesive strategy because sometimes you'll see them running the ball really well in the red zone. Sometimes you'll see some of these, you know, screens or short yardage plays or catch and run. Sometimes you'll see them all of a sudden go tempo and throw a fade. And so, but it hasn't been cohesive and it's almost like um, overthinking it to the point of this is where the disconnect is sort of happening. Where, where they kind of go is they're not, I don't think so much looking at, Jared himself's, uh, you know, drop in, in efficiency inside the 10 more so as can we can we just like the scoring being the number one thing that they're that they're looking at in that situation. And then and earlier in the year, they were having trouble capping drives in general. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think part of that sometimes skews that skews the average. But, you know, I, I think even as positive some of these things are that you see from them, the fact that there hasn't been a completely cohesive performance, first of all, through an entire length of the field, through, you know, some of these statistics, but also through an entire game, I think is is something um, that has kind of struck me by surprise more on more than one occasion this year with them. So, but is that based, is the lack of cohesion in part built around the idea that they're not entirely trusting of, of Goff in those situations? It gets, I mean, it is much harder to throw the ball on the eight yard line than it is the 18 or the 28. No, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's like a, a lack of trust. I think that's like a buzzword that people use a lot with with Jared is like, do you trust him to make this play? And I don't really think that's the case because Sean and Jared are are tied in this sense that you have no choice. You this mm-hmm. is the guy running your offense. Right. So it, it's less about do you trust him to make this play? We've seen he can make the throws, but I think there's some disconnect sometimes when it gets into play design versus execution versus are you calling tempo, which we've seen work a couple of times, but then completely fail other times. And a couple of those times have been like inside the 10, like what you're talking about. And, or, you know, are, are you, is your sequencing of plays that you're calling maybe a little off? Is the quarterback missing the throw? Is he, um, we just did a really, really in-depth piece about how he is versus blitz pressure, which is actually very good. 
ver uh, against how he is versus like your standard four man pressure, which is very bad. So our team's now pressuring him with four and then that's, you know, knocking him off sort of his rhythm or, you know, what kinds of different things are they doing? And so that's kind of what I mean by a lack of cohesion. It's, it's almost like, you know, you get some teams and they get in the red zone and you're like, it's over. You just can't let them get inside the 20 because you just know they're automatic. The Rams are just not one of those teams this year. And, and I don't know that it's like, you know, it'll probably be to their detriment down the stretch here, and especially in the playoffs, if, if that doesn't continue to be a little bit more consistent. But, you know, so far it hasn't really been the, like the thing with them. It's, I would say that's more been like turnovers, things like that. Yeah, right. it's interesting. Like you look at the Rams and they're top 10 for red zone offense. So, it, you know, it hasn't been killing them. Right. But you and also really see a gap between number one, which is Green Bay, and them. It's it's something like 77 versus 64. So, I mean, like the, the gap between the teams that really, really are proficient in the red zone versus a team that's good but not incredible – it's pretty stark. You know who, by the way, is shockingly bad in the red zone? KC. They're yeah. they're oh my gosh, terrible. About this, isn't that isn't that striking? And so it's so interesting because they're winning they're winning games, right? Yeah. But they're terrible in this one area. They're and awful. That's so interesting to me when you kind of look and extrapolate these specific things because they're above the mean. You know, for the last what three years, four years at this point, ever since they got Mahomes. And they're above the mean in so many categories. And then all of a sudden, you're like, hang on. Is that I, I, I double checked this like two or I was like, there's no way that's right. Like, I kept looking at them like, am I, you know what, the last three games for Casey, you know what their red zone uh, scoring percentage is? Touchdowns only 11%. No. Wow. That's bad. Yes. That's, that's oh my I know God. football. I'll, I don't do the same work as you do, Jordan, but that's bad. I know that's percent. And you said, and you guys say you covered the NBA. Look at all these numbers you're rolling. And like, out. I mean, look, it, it could be misleading. You know, they have a lot of long. You know, they they have a lot say, of long they're touchdowns. Being there, it, maybe they're not in it often. But that being said, eleven percent is really bad. Yeah, and that's what the interesting thing is when we ask questions about stats like this, um, because it's interesting because you like sometimes they can tell uh, a giant portion of what the actual story is, but other times they don't, there's, there's kind of, they're kind of like a moving goalpost or they kind of are not indicative of what's really happening. It's kind of like when we talk about sacks versus pressure, like actual pressure and moving the pocket, or when we talk about um, like what I just brought up, Jared Goff, everyone says, Oh, he sucks against pressure, but actually he only sucks against one type of pressure. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's really, it's so interesting to, um, because then you have to go through all the situationals for every single drive and see, okay, well, were they really just like not, is their average thinking because they're not getting the opportunities or what's, you know, what's the deal? So it, I think that's so interesting. Um, all right. Go, what, go ahead, Andy. I was going to say, it's just a, it's similar to how Jared Goff can't run, but he's often best throwing on the run. <laughs> like it's a weird thing. I think I say, I, I bring this up all the time because people are like, Oh, you know, Jared Goff's not a running quarterback, and I was like, "But <laughs> no, he can't scramble, but he's, he's really good at scrambling and moving. He's better right. when he moves. He's yeah. way better when he rolls out. He's yeah. way better. You really want to get him rolling out, and like, and yeah, and it's so funny to me because I'm like, it's it's all kind of in the way that you 
reframe it, right? And it's it's so <laughs> it's interesting. Bizarre though, like when he's rolling out, he's fantastic. <laughs> I know. Like, and, and it's funny too because people he even almost it's like almost a little bit of a tick when um like he's asked about it because it's like well wait you know this is just a, an example it's like what you know well where did you know you see how did you kind of struggle when you were um you know on the move how you know getting your footwork down he'll go you know, i'm actually pretty good throwing on the run like i always i always have been pretty good throwing on the run and then you're like okay 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 <laughs> let's reframe it you know you, you're great when you roll out and you're great when you have some of these boot protections and there was one game um i had an, an executive text me oh my gosh it was Ooh, humble week, brag. A week before my executives texting me and they were like i've never seen anyone design this many boot protections for for a quarterback ever and i was like well he's good at it <laughs> yeah, but like you know the, i think the best throw he's made all year it was i it was the tampa game right to to cup uh you know the the rolling right Fifth third throw. down or whatever that was the best throw he's made all year that was a dime good word yeah yep yeah throwing <laughs> out the lingo yeah that's what the kids do tell, no, tell. my other option was pass that was a good pass <laughs> you want to tell you want to tell jordan about the weekend brian yeah did you know they're a, not a band <laughs> <laughs> it's actually just one guy the weekend oh, oh. bless your heart brian yeah not a band i uh, see now i've been i went to school in the south and I know that that is an insult. <laughs> you know what? So you can't pull. You can't just bust out. Yeah, I was. I spent time in the south. You can't just pull out your bless your heart and expect me not to know what that means. When I lived in Charlotte, people for my entire first year there, I was just hearing that all the time. Couldn't figure out why. They're like, "Oh, you're sleeping on your floor. Bless your heart." Oh, <laughs> I want to think this is a good thing. It doesn't feel like a good thing. <laughs> so. Wait a minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's let's do this quick because I because I have a um, a couple things and we have to play our game. Uh, this is something. This is and this is off. You you know things that um, you've written about and uh, that's been talked about this week. That kind of came up in the uh, Rams press conferences where uh, Sean McVay acknowledged that Brandon Staley. Uh, is one of these guys now who gets talked about as a as a potential head coach this offseason. The defensive Staley, coordinator for the Rams, if you don't yes. know who he is. Uh, and then Brandon Staley said uh, in the same day's press conference, oh, no, we never talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it was great. Someone, a reporter asked him, uh, okay, so he's like a candidate. Do you ever talk about this with him? And Sean was quiet for like five seconds, and he goes – would you? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Nobody likes you, Brandon. Get that idea out of your head. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's a good question. Um, not just – it's a really a two-part question. Yeah. Um, a, do you think like there's a really good chance he could get poached? Because the, the Sean McVay tree is growing rapidly. Yeah. And then, you know, um, you know, so that's sort of part one of it. And, and, and Craig on the chat asked about – you know, whether it's the Jaguars or I, I forget the Panthers or the Chargers Panthers or, or Chargers, you know, yeah. well, it won't be Panthers. Uh, I could confidently tell you that uh, they are married to Matt Rule for like the next like eight years at this right. point. So, They're paying him a ton. I, I uh, am interested to see how that continues to go. 
Um, and it's kind of been fun watching them from afar and not, you know, kind of covering them after doing so for so long. So I don't, first of all, you want to go somewhere where you're going to have a good young quarterback. That's something that if you can get a quarterback who you would yourself pick, um, you and and that who you believe in and who you who is coachable and who you think can win you some games and be a franchise quarterback, then that's an ideal situation because coaches are made or destroyed off of their quarterback. And um, I I was talking to somebody about this the other day where it's like the one of the exceptions is I think here in Los Angeles with Sean and Jared. I don't think that Sean would be Sean's reputation would be made or destroyed based off of his quarterback. I think that you know, if push came to shove and this is just, you know, hypothetically down the road and, you know, hopefully they have a long and successful, you know, professional partnership. But, you know, I think that they they know that Sean is like your core foundational guy for the long haul here and they're going to do whatever they can to keep him. So on the converse, if you're a new head coach and you're looking for an organization to go to and you're getting interviews, um, this ties into whether I think Brandon Staley I think he'll be getting interest. I think he'll be asked to interview at certain places. And I think that there will be some tempting offers that come his way, uh, if not this year, then certainly next year. Because if they're talking about him as a candidate now, they are certainly going to be. The the Rams defense could completely tank next season. And and it's really hard to sort of lose that right status. you know it's it's pretty rare if you're you know and and there's no also you have Jalen Rams and Aaron Donald so there's no reason to believe that they would tank anyway so um with Brandon it's like now he has a lot of leverage in terms of where he would go because jobs open up every year every two years and you need to be able to pick a place that um you're very intentionally projecting yourself fitting into like let's say it's a place that has a GM and you go deep into their draft history. You talk to everybody you can about them as a person, them as a collaborator. How do they think about things? How do they analyze things? Brandon is very into like um, cognitive psychology, just like Les Snead. And that was a huge thing that um, is, is very good with them collaborating on right now and Sean McVay as well. So I would assume somebody who's very forward thinking, progressive, analytically minded, you want to go somewhere where you do have a young quarterback who can win you some games just by himself. Um, you want to go somewhere where you have a lot of autonomy, but you're also able to bring in a mentor just like Sean brought Wade Phillips in. Um, you want to make sure that the owner is not interfering in football matters. Um, you want to make sure that you're truly really and truly their guy and not just sort of like a splash hire kind of like what we saw happen to to Steve Wilkes a couple of years ago in Arizona and he kind of was a bridge guy to get them through you know like Josh Rosen before they really got to their guy you just there's all these little pitfalls and so I I don't know that he would be gone this year because there's such a navigation that comes with some of those things, though, kind of describe the Chargers. I mean, I don't know their you know their front office stuff, but like in, in ownership, but like in terms of good young quarterback, um, some talent around the roster, sure. um, you know, some talent on the defensive side. You know, if you can keep people on the field and stop stabbing players in the heart with 
syringes and things. Um, Long, not hard. Yeah, <laughs> the, this was not pulp make fiction. Make it sound right? worse than it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, like, I mean, it was already bad with Tyron Taylor, but did something was, else happen that I didn't know yeah, about? I'm sorry, yeah, I got, I got, I got Tyron Taylor and Pulp Fiction confused. Yeah, you did. Uh, you, you, you turned him into Uma Thurman. Right, it, it happens. Um, like that's not. <laughs> wildly off at least for the football part but you know the front office and management and ownership structure of that better than i would yeah i don't i don't see it happening personally um i could be wrong i'm wrong about many things um i don't personally see that happening i don't see that sitting well um you know anywhere so <laughs> about Cam Akers, though, who you said by the end of the season would be dominating, and you were correct, and I released him it's my fault, not yours. Thank you for, you know what, thank you for saying that. You're welcome. Yeah. I, I, look, I I will acknowledge when I when I get it wrong. You just had to believe. I mean, you were wrong for like 14 weeks, but, but you know, but, but that's we have to we have to take those that is a good caveat you, yeah you could have used you could have used cam Akers this weekend brian i tried to pick him up i but our waiver wire works so yeah, stupidly it, it is like if you really release somebody in the league that andy and i play and if you release somebody you can't pick them up for like nine weeks <laughs> so it's, like, it's this bizarre it, thing so he was on my list and he, i couldn't pick him up it was awful it was it's very a strange angry. setup it's a very um, very odd it's like setup. in those movies where like the boat, the two, like one of the lovers is standing on the dock and the other one's on the boat. And you're like, oh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> can't get to them. Yes, I, I appreciate, I don't think Cam Akers would appreciate that metaphor as much as I do, but um, I get it. And I think you're exactly right. And I could have used him. Uh, no question. I'm looking for the uh, the comment uh, on the chat. Oh, here we go. Because this gets into the other thing that, that I wanted to do before uh, we did our game. You don't mind if we keep you yeah. a little late, do we? Get, any, yeah. Going anywhere? All right, cool. Please do. I've still got uh, half a beer. Been Good. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Um, so th the Rams are going to make the playoffs this weekend, even honestly, even if they do manage to do something bizarre and lose the Jets. Like It's like a 99-point – like Lindsay Theory at ESPN laid out like the ways that th the Rams could miss the playoffs, and it's just like this – incredible cascade of total improbabilities and they're they're going yeah. so with that in mind it's a good question like how do they match up against some of the teams that they're going to play because green bay has gotten a little more hype than i think than they have you know new orleans has been exciting you know people have been paying attention to Tampa. the rams still i don't know what people think of them um so you know let's let's start with like green bay Rams versus Green Bay. How does that look just from a matchup standpoint? You know, I, I actually think they match up well with both teams. I mean, we could put them both. And and I don't necessarily think that completely with the offense because they are so um, just hot and cold depending on, you know, whether um, Jared's like taking care of the football and what kind of pressure and, um, you know, just these types of things. But I actually think they're so malleable and, and pliable on defense. They can match up with just about anybody. I mean, I, I think that you've seen so many different examples of types of offenses that they've gone against. And really the only type that they've had huge issues with has been San Fran and no, nobody's really running that, that offense. So they could really, I think match up well defensively 
Um, and you kind of got the sense ever since um, this defense really started showing up, you kind of started getting the sense that this is how they're going to make a run. Their defense is going to carry them into making Their defense a run. is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Can I tell you a funny story? When Please. I was in training camp, I think I told you guys this too. This was like maybe one of either my first or second time on the show with you guys. I mentioned that conceptually this is the best defense I'd ever seen in person. And somebody they they played the first game against San Francisco. And somebody came into my, not just my Twitter, but also my email. And they said, hey, what happened? You said, <laughs> you said this is the best defense you've the ever worst. seen. I have not seen proof of that. And I didn't, I just didn't respond. Um, to one person on Twitter, I was like, I still believe that. Because conceptually, you can see they are doing some things that maybe like Phil Snow is attempting in Carolina, but doesn't have the pieces yet because they're all so young. He doesn't have an Aaron Donald and he doesn't mm -hmm. have a Jalen Ramsey. Like the the three three five light box concepts, like they are doing so many cool things with this defense that is progressive toward defending passing concepts and, you know, maybe doesn't stand up as well against like a really heavy downhill running attack, but then you also can move in a guy like Ashawn Robinson and play a four-man front and step, stuff the box with a good safety, and then you can do different things in that regard. So they're so malleable, and it's kind of amazing seeing how all the concepts are now starting to work together and fit together. I mean, really, if you if you get a chance to just, like, I call I call it to Rich, I say it's the, the men in black view, you know, with the universe and the little marble, yeah. and you get to sort of extrapolate yourself and you look down at, like, what's happening, and you, you basically see these multiple solar systems, one of them is secondary, and it revolves around Jalen Ramsey. One of them revolves around Aaron Donald, and that's the front seven. And then John Johnson is like the spaceman who goes between the two solar systems. And it's incredible. It's cool as crap. And so I'm like, all right, guys, I don't want to hear it. That, <laughs> that is such an awesome description of that. that. Is a, Thank that you for is doing a, that. That is a top I thought I was end. waiting to roll it out with you guys because I figured you could appreciate it. No, you want to do it in front phenomenal. of the biggest audience possible. <laughs> it's that is really, really good. But like they remind me their defense a little bit of the Lakers in the way that like they can just pour it on defensively. And you don't often see teams do that. Like you typically think of pouring it on with just getting into the end zone and scoring or you know, just you know, raining threes in basketball, something like that. It's it's not as common to see teams just be able to crank up that type yeah. of just defensive overwhelming of opponents. Yeah. And, and the Rams at times, they do that where you're just like, God damn. It it's like the, it's like the, the, the movies that you see the apocalypse movies where the big wave is coming and like the kid with the dog is staring at it. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. It's just this giant wave that just crashes over you. They, and you can't do anything about it. And that's, like it used to be like, okay, Aaron Donald could break a game open for you. But now Aaron Donald plus Jalen Ramsey plus schematically all these guys like rising with the tide can break this game open. And 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 the thing is, is it's not just against um, a heavy 11 personnel offense, right? Like everyone's doing more than ever before. It's also, it's against everything because you can rotate and move and you have so many versatile pieces and conceptually, I remember talking to you guys about them doing pattern matching. Well, as you continue to pattern match through the season, now you have all this tape that you didn't have before, and you, you're continuing to pattern match against these teams. So you're able to diagnose things 
on a more versatile level and that gets you playing faster and freer. And so I think that all of it coming together, if it can continue this progress, um, they match up well against anybody. And I, I think one thing that, that at least in my mind helps is, and you, you and Rich were talking about this on the latest uh, episode of 11 Personnel, um, which we note uh, in your bio here. 11, um, 11 personnel. <laughs> 1,111 personnel. Um, you know, this, this is the thanks I'm going to get for putting together a nice banner. I'm never doing it again. No, I'm going to post it. It was really nice. <laughs> but thank you very much. For all the, for all Once the I spelled about, it right, it was great. After look after Google, um, I had to look it up. <laughs> for all the talk of like you know how you know golf between, and the lack of explosion in between all the tabs he has up of all the Jerry Goff stats. <laughs> how do you spell personnel? Well, those stats were good. I mean, if you want me to cut and paste them, I will send them to you. Would you write a <laughs> Would you write an op-ed that just transcribes exactly what you just said? We just come. Will you come write an op-ed for us? I just might. I might just do that. <laughs> All right. We'll how do people call Rich Hammond? I may, I may. I know how to get a hold of We're Rich. Familiar with Rich Hammond. <laughs> we know you had something did. to say, Brian. Right. But I, he knows what he did. Uh, but the you know they they you know for the, all the talk of the inconsistency in the offense and that they actually play in a way too offensively that when it works at least really aids the defense. Like you know that yeah. third quarter drive against New England where they had the ball for like an hour. Um, I love by the way, it was, that the, was, the it was great. Yeah. They play, you know, th they know if they can get up by a couple touchdowns, the defense can probably hold on to it and they can play in a way that makes it so the defense doesn't, it's not three and out, four and out, where the defense is constantly on the field where they can maximize. So, yeah. in theory, that works in the playoffs, assuming they can still run the ball against good teams in cold weather if that comes up. Although, really, it's one cold weather team, it's Green Bay. Yeah. And so the other thing, too, is it's, it goes off of what you were just saying. Like, people hear that, what you, what you just said, and people are like, hang on, that goes against what I think football is in which you have to score, you know, a crap load of points. And, and that's the Sean McVay way. That's what he does. Well, actually, what they're doing now is they've pivoted toward making more high efficiency and high probability decisions, especially in the passing game. Mm -hmm. And Jared Goff's, you know, air yards is, is among the lowest in the league, but his passing yards and his yards per play um, are, are up there. And the Ra the Rams are like at this point, like six or eight in, in terms of explosive plays, which is really, really good considering they're putting up, you know, 24 points a game, essentially, and not in the mid to upper 30s like you're used to seeing. Well, this is because they've eliminated mostly high probability plays, or excuse me, low probability plays, which are the the deep ball or what we know is like the dopamine raisers, right? And and <laughs> it's like common, you know, that's what we all call them, right? No, but, I know what you mean. Yeah, and, and we, you know, you eliminate those extremely low probability plays that only at best have a 50-50 chance of being completed. And those are the best 50-50 deep ball pass and catch players in the league. It's still only about 50%. And so then you factor in, you know, all these other things that lower, lower that probability. Well, they're like, all right, well, we'll do that every once in a while. We'll design it within our offense. But really what we're going to do is we're going to focus on yak yards, yards after the catch. We're going to do a bunch of shorter and intermediate level passes, crossers. We're going to get Jared rolling out. We're going to depend on Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. 
to um, you know run after the catch and and do a lot of things to create extra yards after they after they catch the ball. And because you're not throwing so deep, you're now increasing the probability that the play works. You're increasing the efficiency of the offense as well in that way. And you're also getting your explosive plays, but you're just not getting them through the air downfield. So you're stretching a defense, but you're doing it in a different way, right? So at this point, you're like, okay, my compromise, because I know I have a defense that is going to kick the crap out of pretty much whoever they're playing, and they also are now scoring points. My compromise now that I'm able to do on offense is to do things that help my quarterback play more efficiently and take care of the football and also still accumulate the points I need to win because I know that I have the defense to um, help me attain that on the other side of the ball. That was like, I agree. That was, <laughs> I agree. I'm still kind of trying to Google pattern matching, but other than that. <laughs> um it's probably on one of AK's tabs. He's did you, right? Well, you know, we're not all of us who's analytically inclined. I mean, did you did let me ask you a question. When I was doing this while you were talking about it, did it look like I understood? <laughs> well, because you took your beanie off and you have kind of like the hairless and glasses things going, it looks like you you are wise and understand things. I am always uh, in that way, yes. AK and I know better, but yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we're we're not gonna embarrass you. How else, by the way? How did that happen? How did they become the 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 paragons of wisdom? That is, um, even by bird standards, incredibly stupid birds. They are. They're actually really dumb. We covered this on the last podcast. Yeah, they're they're dumb. They're they're a very very dumb they're bird. A dumb bird. Thank you. All right, Jordan, you are a uh, a competitive person, correct? Yes, I am. Yes, uh, not even quietly, like outwardly. Um, and so uh, I have a game. Have we actually done games when you've been on? You guys did um, a trivia with me last time, and I won. But we kind of, we kind of threw the game in my favor. <laughs> we, sort of it. Yeah. we do it's like that. It's like a carnival game. You, it's yeah. like a ring toss, right? Yeah. Except the opposite, because yeah. we let you, we, you got to win. <laughs> all right. So today's game, in honor of the Jets, is all about disasters. Okay. Uh, these are sports disasters. They are natural disasters. I almost wrote a question about the origins of Ring Around the Rosie. Uh, do you guys know that one? Like what I do that's, know that one. Which is what? That was when um, people had the pox. Close and enough. Black plague. Yeah. The, yeah, you could hit by the by the ring, and you yeah. had to burn, you had to burn them. So that's where ashes ashes. And then I decided times being what they are to yeah. leave that out. I am yeah, going to give you. We're a so point. close. I'm going to give you a point though. Oh. So you're already up one nothing. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, take that, AK. Yeah. So um, this is all about disasters. Uh, okay. They can be sports disasters, natural disasters, any kind of fictional disasters. Your all sorts system. of disasters. Okay. You know, to answer more questions. I'm already. I'm already and there are it's bonus questions, and I will tell you if it's a name is your buzzer kind of question or if it's multiple choice. This first question, multiple choice. Here we go. Since the NFL went to a 16 game schedule, how many times has a team gone 0 and 16? A, one, B, two, C, three, or D, four? Andy. One. Since this NFL went to a 16-game schedule. One. Andy says one. Jordan? You mean including what we're assuming the Jets do? Or? No, 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 no. It hasn't happened yet. So since the NFL went to a 16-game schedule, how many times has the team gone 0-16? I think it was one, and I think it was Detroit, right? 
That's what I think it is. Oh, you guys are both wrong. Didn't uh, Cleveland go 0-16 a couple years ago? Didn't you look up your own question? I did. That's why I'm asking. But now I, I think I'm worried I'm wrong. That Andy got it wrong, I wasn't worried. But when Jordan said the same thing, I'm wondering if the internet told me the wrong thing. Well, a LA Rams FC says it's two, but right. the Nathan so, Mark says one. That's well, I, I thought it was the Lions did it. That's what I thought it was, too. Now I'm looking it up. Huh. I believe that is Browns went 0 and 16 in 2017. Thank you, oh. Internet. I was correct. Both of you get it wrong. Yeah, because then they got. They, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Now okay. I shouldn't have lost confidence in my own game. Well, 2017 seems like a long, long time ago. It though, does. in fairness. All right. Number two. Time ago. This is a your name is your buzzer question. News coverage of this 1937 air disaster gave birth to Andy. the expression "Oh, the humanity." Andy. The Hindenburg. The Hindenburg, very good. A point for Andy. Bonus question for I both have, of you. I have a question. Yes. How did? How come he got to answer first? Because name is your buzzer. You shout out your name. I didn't know that rule. Well, now you do. <laughs> Brian did say it, but you also got a free point before the game even started. Right. <laughs> so you understand what I mean when I say your name is your buzzer? Like you, and like there's a lot of things that don't make any sense. Okay? That is true. I thought he was just talking. Like, your so, name. Yeah, now you know because that my, means my name is my name. Yeah, you just yell out Jordan, and then I'll be like, "Oh, Jordan knows the answer," and I'll be like, "Jordan, what's the answer?" And then you'll tell me. Okay, so now we've established that. You've just established like, that, yes. I apologize for you not knowing, but Andy points out you did get a point before the game started. Okay, okay right. I'll, I'll So yeah. bonus question for the both of you. Um, of the 97 people on board, how many survived the crash? Um, we'll go closest to the pin. It doesn't matter if you go over. <laughs> how many survived? It's a, it's, I will give you a hint. It's a surprisingly high number. I'll say 74. Jordan? Six. <laughs> Aren't you a dark human being? <laughs> Andy, much closer. 62 people survived that. Wow. I didn't realize that until tonight. Like, I just assumed that, I mean, not to be, I, again, dark, died. I just assumed they all died. That's 62 amazing. people walked away from that thing. I mean, clearly. Or presumably, if they were smart, ran away from that thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if so, you can run after that. No, I mean, again, so congratulations, Andy. Two points there. He's up three to one. Nice. This is a multiple choice question. How the is Spurs, he up three to one? Because he had a point. Oh, no, is you're right. Two to one. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Jesus. Shut up. <laughs> the Spurs and Lakers have the two <laughs> best winners. That, Brian. <laughs> I can always mute you. The Spurs and Lakers have the two best winning percentages in NBA history. Which team has the lowest winning percentage in NBA history? Uh, a disaster of a franchise. A, the Nets. B, the Clippers. C, the Grizzlies. Or D, the Timberwolves. Lowest winning percentage in NBA history for a franchise. Jordan, it's your turn to go first. Nets, well, Clippers, Grizzlies, or Timberwolves? I am not. You guys know I'm not good with NBA, with NBA stuff, but I guess I'll guess the Nets. They're terrible, right? Usually, they have been historically bad. Yes, <laughs> I'll give you a hint. These are the bottom four teams. So, I am going to say the. I'm going to say the Timberwolves. That is correct. It is the Minnesota Timberwolves, and now Andy really is winning three to one. Uh, your name is your buzzer. So, Jordan, if you know this one, what are you going to yell? 
Jordan. Very good. This 1997 <laughs> film starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet Andy. won 11. Titanic. That is correct. Titanic won 11 Academy Awards, though none for any acting categories. They snubbed Billy Zane. I get All right. it. Lori did Stewart did get nominated. Saying that I was five and making Andy feel bad. <laughs> we we know that I did, in some of these questions, I did take your age and in, in pop culture like windows into consideration. And we made are it aware of the gap, Jordan. Thank you. I, <laughs> I, I'd actually never seen Titanic until two years ago. Wow. I know. <laughs> Name is your buzzer. Did you, did your parents only allow you like the last couple of years? <laughs> no, I just I just it wasn't like uh, the you know pop culture hit That's of true. when I was in my preteens and you know. That's true. All right, it wasn't a thing. All right, here we go. Name is your buzzer. He was the Jets quarterback responsible for what now and forever will be known as the butt fumble. Jordan. Jordan. Mark Sanchez. Mark. Sanchez is the correct answer. Bonus question for Jordan. She controls the board. Who were the Jets playing in that game, Jordan? Oh, shit. Excuse me. Shoot. That's okay. That's uh, okay. Oh, my gosh, because I remember the butt like it was yesterday. <laughs> but I'm trying to get the jersey, and I don't remember. It was it could, it, was it the Patriots? It was the Patriots. Oh. Two points for Jordan Rodriguez. Yeah. It's now four to three. Your name is your buzzer. In 2008, this one-time Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver and future Jet accidentally shot himself in the leg at a nightclub. Andy. Plaxico Burris. Plaxico Burris is the correct answer to that question. Jet-related disasters. Um, bonus question, Andy controls the board. Who was he what playing for at the time? Who was he playing for at the time? Oh, he was playing for the Giants. That is correct. A bonus point for Andy. He's up six to three. Hang on. What? <laughs> four. I don't know about that. My bonus, my bonus answer of the Patriots, that was my fourth point. I think what did right. you get before that, though? Mark Sanchez. Right. What did you get before that? Uh, before that, I got, you got your free point before the game started. No, I did. Then I got another one right. Did you? <laughs> you I missed did. the uh, sixteen games. You missed the zero and sixteen teams. You didn't get the Hindenburg. You weren't closest to the pin on survivors. You got the <laughs> NBA question wrong. Andy got Titanic. Oh, I reviewed right. the board here. You've only got. That. Oh, you're right. I have three. I thought. Yeah. All right. Settle down there. Competitive. <laughs> <laughs> if okay. I don't scores with you guys, you want to get points, start answering questions uh, correctly, and I'll, I'll give you some. All right, here we go. Your name is your buzzer. Originally uh, named ZTF0DXQ and now officially labeled 2020QG. One of these passed within 2,000 miles of Earth in August, setting a record for the closest flyby to the surface of the planet. It would have been a disaster if it was 2,000 miles closer. I'll tell you that much. A meteor. Hmm. I don't think an I asteroid? can accept a meteor. An Andy, asteroid? I'm going to have to accept asteroid. <laughs> <laughs> As Jordan feverishly Googles, what's the difference between a meteor and an asteroid? They're an asteroid. 
<laughs> I'm going to give you a point for that. <laughs> that was good. You see what she did was she was calling me an ass, Andy, but she made it into asteroid, which was related to the question. I call you that all the time. Point. I never get any points. Right, but I like her. Uh, so here we go. It is now six to four. You finally have your fourth point, Jordan. Um, your name is your buzzer. Originally introduced to audiences in 1954, this gigantic lizard made his name by destroying Andy. Japan. Andy. Godzilla. Godzilla is the correct answer. Very good. Uh, we're getting near the end. You're going to want to pick it up, Jordan. I'm, I'm kind of mad. I mean, we, that was, we said it at the same time. No. How about we go halvesies on the point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think you did. Split the sack. Yeah, that's fine. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, number nine, your name is your buzzer. When the Loma Prieta earthquake struck, game three of the 1989 World Series between these teams had to be postponed. 1989, game three between these two teams postponed by an earthquake. Name the teams. I know one of them. I don't think I know both. Uh, A's, How about and we do A's and Giants? Andy, you didn't use your name. <laughs> Jordan, quick, buzz in. Jordan. Yes. A's and Giants. A's and Giants is the correct answer. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Look, I mean, it, Alex Trebek, and it was like, you know, sorry, man, you got to phrase it in the form of a question. All right, here we go. Uh, Jordan, we're at the last question here. Uh, you are down one, two, it's five, eight to five. But as it happens, this last question <laughs> is worth three and a half. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> Lucky for you. What a wacky scoring system. It is. <laughs> here we go. And I, I do have a bonus question here, just in case you need it. While she's normally a master... Is this a, your name is your buzzer? Yes, name okay. is your buzzer. While she's normally a master of marketing and PR, this young star stepped in it big time and created a PR disaster when she appeared in a soda commercial featuring scenes of social protest. And Pardon. at the end, Jordan. Kendall Jenner? Kendall Jenner. And at the end, hands a soda to a police officer. You remember that? That was yeah, a terrible that was, commercial. Yeah, that was a disaster. <laughs> that was now, Jordan, you are up now eight and a half to eight. But there's a bonus question. Okay. You have to answer it correctly or Andy could steal okay. and take the game. Because the bonus question is actually worth three quarters of a point. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, hang on. Do I get the first answer? Me yes. Okay. You control the board. Okay. It is a thrilling end. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. This, is okay. this Nathan Mark guy has not only agreed with me on nearly every point tonight, but also is still on with us. So I appreciate it. Nathan Mark is great. Okay. What company was the advertisement for? What soda company? Coca-Cola. Jordan, that is incorrect. Andy. It was Pepsi that solved racism, Brian. It was, it was, in fact, Pepsi that solved the world's racism problem in a stunning upset. Andy wins eight and three quarters to eight and a half. Oh, man. <laughs> That's oh, Wow. Oof. 
That was the butt fumble of trivia games. That no, you I'm actually, sweating. That's you are so angry with yourself right now, I can tell. Oh, yeah, that, oh, I, that, that final score really screwed up Vegas and the bookmakers. I know. <laughs> no, I say that's not true, Andy. The line was you by one-tenth of a point. Oh, I was <laughs> so I, I covered. That's exciting. I covered, right. You covered. <laughs> that's very exciting. Um, Okay. That's all I've got <laughs> for, any, for anybody who laid the quarter point. <laughs> they won. <laughs> that's what they, that's what they say when they say that the the margin of error error as you head into the playoffs is razor thin. When you come back before you know week one of the of the postseason, man, the game's gonna be intense. Yeah, man, I gotta brush up. I'm like crying. That was so funny. I. <laughs> I'm actually crying because I'm so mad now. <laughs> you have lost a little bit of both. You have lost twice now um, in yeah. games. I know. I'm terrible at trivia, actually. How, what game could we come up with that you have a better chance of winning? Age. Just like. Is age the game? What is what is that? Well, you're losing. Oh. Shut up. <laughs> you know, now we are. You know what? Now we are muting you. Yeah. See, now I wasn't kidding. <laughs> now put her back on. Put her back on. Is she going to be nice? <laughs> I'm putting Jordan back on. I control the mic too. Jordan's back on. That was that was wonderful. <laughs> that was, and I'm even older than him. You know but that was wonderful. <laughs> I'm going to give you a quarter point for that. <laughs> so it ends on no, a tie. No, That's I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not doing I'm that. Right that that, that violates like, the integrity of the game. <laughs> I'm right back in it, just like that. Everyone. Yeah, like, if I had another question, I'd do it. Um, did we did we leave anything? No, I, th I think we covered literally everything. Yeah, and check out theathletic.com tomorrow morning. Um, I have an Aaron Donald column coming out. That I've oh, I wish you had told us Why that didn't you tell us that at the beginning? We'd have plugged it for a, a lot of the show. No, I feel like kind of selfish doing that. This is the like... We, that's we the just, whole point of coming on here. It's not to lose to AK in trivia? Wow. Well, no, that's just the bonus. <laughs> <laughs> that's... That's just the cherry on top of the whole thing. But no, we we want we want you to be promoting the you hell out be of better at this. Like the yes. This isn't on me. Nobody yeah. asked. I, okay. Well, you have an Aaron Donald. You're awfully comfortable. You're getting am, awfully comfortable on our show, is all I'm saying. I I am it, it is like a highlight for me coming on you guys' show because you guys are so fun. So well, no, there. but for real, we want you to be promoting the hell out of your stuff. So you've yes. got an Aaron Donald piece that's going up on The Athletic tomorrow. Yes, and I I um, am usually pretty hard on myself with my own pieces, but I would actually recommend this read because I think it was really fun to write and got some really, really fun insight from uh, from people. And it's, it's basically um, a lot of superlative and, and expletive sort of things from people who have had to face him and how it's become pretty much impossible to describe him and what he can do. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about it. We'll definitely read this people yes. because on top of, I'm sure it being very good, it is so much work doing this in the COVID age over zoom and text or whatever. So like, yeah. you don't get the same opportunities to go face to face in the locker room. So please 
read Jordan's piece. I picture yeah. you standing outside people's like windows, like they, you know, they, they, they're yeah. doing it for birthday parties and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for saying that. Cause it, it really takes such a long time to do some of these in-depth pieces that we, you brought it up earlier, but the profile I wrote on Brandon Staley in September, I literally, I remember telling you guys, I literally just like stood behind him and the defensive assistant coaches on the field and just moved with them every every single day of training camp because I was like, hang on, this might be really special. So now it's my job to literally be the creepiest person ever standing <laughs> on this field, just like observing everything that's happening and writing down every single thing that happens. And then it turns into at some point, hopefully a really good profile well, with this. It's like, you know, you can't go to everyone's locker and ask them questions and get these really hilarious, great answers because um, of, of COVID. And then sometimes, as you guys remember, when uh, I asked Sean McVay to describe Aaron Donald in a way nobody ever had before, and he just made like this noise, right? But <laughs> How did and, you transcribe that? <laughs> and, but, and the intern transcribed it. That was the great part, too. The, in, the poor intern who was assigned the transcription, she, she did transcribe it. She did a great job. But um, it was, you know, stuff like that. Now that's out broadcast to the entire world and you're mm -hmm. like, oh, God, you know, so it's so much more difficult to get these kinds of, of different stories instead of just like your standard, you know, stuff that you read. Well, as deficient as you are in trivia is as good as you are at your actual job. I mean, there are there really aren't a lot of people out there who are doing it better than you. People should read everything that you write, Jordan. And Thank I'm not you. just saying that I, I, I read all the things that you write, which is how I know anything about the Rams. Um, well, th thank you very much. I, I mean, I, I really appreciate that. And, um, you know, I got to, to learn tonight too about disasters and, um, you know, Jared Goff's red zone discrepancy stats. And, you know, I, I appreciate that. I think yep. that was great. We can all learn from each other. And <laughs> you're, <isn't> that <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Isn't that what humanity is really about? We say the same thing to you that we say to America every night. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, all right. So <laughs> let's see. We should tell people who's coming on tomorrow. I'm really Brian Curtis from The Ringer. He's a, he's a really interesting reporter. He he does a lot of reporting on media. Uh, whether you're talking about just general media, sports media, the direction media is heading right now. It's he's really really smart. And yeah. we're, really, we're really excited to have him on the show tomorrow. He does uh, both podcasting and writing for The Ringer, among other stuff. Uh, it's going to be a really, really cool show. Uh, yeah. Friday, Friday, uh, Claire DeLune. And then Monday uh, is going to be Michael Pina from Now Sports Illustrated. Yep. And uh, Tuesday, we'll do the opener. And then Wednesday, uh, more Sports Illustrated. Uh, Rowan Nakarni, who wrote the cover story uh, of, for Anthony of the Anthony Davis cover story on Sports Illustrated. going to be joining us on Wednesday. So a lot of stuff. Jordan, thank you for coming back on again. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you do this again. This is my favorite. I was pushing to for you guys to get me back on during Jets Week because we love a good disaster. So. Yes, I do. <laughs> and that is going to be one. We will see everyone tomorrow. Thank you, Nidalani.